All right, welcome back to another episode of Peaced Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer and the sport of ski racing, newly formatted to give the dorkiest of the dorks of ski racing more of an opportunity to dork out. And today we're a very special guest um, over the phone with us all the way from Vermont, uh, world-class ski tuner, uh, Graham Lanetto. Graham, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so your your game plan has is you've done a lot of cool different things with with your craft of making skis fast and you know starting off with I mean I'm sure it was a pretty interesting history just to begin with to be uh, when becoming a Rosy factory tech, but then you opened up arguably one of the best ski shops in the country with Edgewise, and now you've departed from there. Is that what what uh, what's going on now? Uh, yeah, um, we sold our store uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, just moving on to new things, new challenges, and uh, right now I am uh, Alpine Director for SWIX out of, uh, well, for North America, basically out of um, Massachusetts here in the east, and uh, I also am Racing Promotions Manager for Stokely, and I do a little private consulting as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, you've got a lot of value and. In- uh, people find a lot of value in you and hiring you individually for sure. What uh, what was attractive about moving on from the shop and, and, and doing those things for you? Um, well, we had the store here in the East for about 13 years. And uh, you know, basically, I had always wanted to open a, a shop, like basically ever since I was like 12 or 13 years old. I always wanted to have a ski shop and uh, always talked about it. And, um, kind of always had that in the back of my head and, um, never really kind of followed through on that dream. And I, I was doing service for, um, the women's world cup team and back in 2000, 2002. And, um, basically I got stuck in Europe for about four months because the budget, uh, for the season got slashed and, uh, my wife and I were just married and it was kind of a tough season for me because I didn't get home at all. And uh, so basically that was the, the end of my being on the road and just kind of forced me into opening our store here in, in Vermont. And um, it was kind of a, a cool process, but, you know, we saw it through from just opening the store and tuning some skis to essentially having about 10 to 14 employees uh, for year round and um, about 2,600 square feet of tuning and retail space and, and we were just ready for something different after after 13 years. So you climbed that mountain, and then it was time to find a new mountain. Yeah, yeah, we're just ready to move on to something different. Cool. Well, I had the pleasure of uh, being present for a tuning clinic uh, with you here in Sun Valley uh, earlier this fall. And, you know, as a coach or somebody, you know, it was associated with programs. I mean, you see a lot of, or I see a lot of, tuning clinics year in year out and you know a lot of it is for you know the kids and you know some of it is for um those that are already in the know but you know what was what really struck me from yours is that uh, there was a lot of nuances that you shared that I hadn't been thinking about or maybe I hadn't been challenged to be thinking about but either way I think everybody in the room agreed that you, you really brought something to the table that enlightened us all um and i was just curious like for instance you know what are, what are some trends that you see right now that are might be 
you know, fraudulent or something we should turn away from? Or what are some things that we should be thinking about right now that would help, you know, our, our racers become better in a wax room and even us as coaches and staff for that matter? My, t- my tuning clinic is basically, it's just evolved out of things that have worked for me. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, there, there'd be somebody else that would get up in front of you and do that clinic, and you'd, uh, you'd get a different take on, on what works for them. And, and uh, so there's, I'm always open to different ideas or different ways of, of tuning. And I, I love sitting in on other people's clinics because I, I like to go in with an open mind and try to try to learn something from somebody else. So I think that's really important, but... But for me, whenever I um, kind of come up with a concept or a, a plan for tuning, I, I always try to have it um, kind of logic-based. You know, I like to have a reason for why I do things and you know, put some thought into the procedure rather than just, just doing the same thing over and over because that's the way it's been done. And uh, so when I present, I always like to give people reasons for why I like to do it or um, you know, the process and how it came to be. And uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like to say that any particular thing is fraudulent. It's just different from, from what, I, what I've experienced over time. And, uh, um, you know, one of the things I talked about briefly was just uh, you know, overheating the ski and um, waxing. It seems like a very simple process, but I think a lot of people do make the mistake of, of getting their skis too hot. And um, a lot of that just comes from the way things have been done, you know, like just uh, putting layer after layer of hot wax into, into skis. And meanwhile, all that heat's building up through the whole ski, and uh, all those different layers are um, expanding and contracting at different rates and um, kind of breaking down the core mm-hmm. the stability of the ski. And, uh, you know, from what I have seen, I just, I just like to really limit the amount of heat that goes into the ski. So I've changed my waxing procedures to kind of uh, follow that thought and uh, just really try to limit the amount of heat that I'm putting into the ski and, and get the wax in and just a couple of simple passes. And then what, I mean, that, uh, you said it earlier though. I think one of the best parts about your clinic is that, you know, when you go over through your thought process, it's not like, you know, oh, this is how you do it. I mean, you preface everything by saying, this is how I like to do it. And I think that kind of triggers people to want to listen more. And then for that matter, there was a lot of dialogue in that room, which was pretty interesting to me. But you talk about heating up the ski um, and putting layers and layers of wax on. I mean, when you're when you were maybe with Rosignol or you know at Edgewise, you know, getting kids race skis prepped. I mean, how much you know intricacy was going into layering uh, different wax combinations or any kind of like overlaying i mean was it fairly simple or do you do you try to um do you have a few tricks that you that you that are on a little something someone might not be thinking about that you know that you yeah, see fit I, I think i'm pretty transparent with with how i approach things I, I i don't really have any secrets or um any special way that i do things that i like hide from anybody i i just i i, I try to keep everything that i do really simple so it's it's easily repeatable and mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's always something I can go to and keep, I keep it simple. Um, you know, essentially what I start with, at least for glide, is just making sure I have a, a nice, clean structure in the ski that's the correct structure for the snow conditions. Mm-hmm. That can be hard 
thing to kind of dial in, especially depending on how many pairs of skis that you have. But that's that's the core. That's ultimately what's the most important. And then from there, honestly, I just follow the wax charts. Whatever wax you use, I would recommend just follow the chart to a T because these companies put a lot of time and effort into testing. And, you know, basically I just follow that system, have, an, have a good clean grind and follow the wax chart appropriately. And uh, honestly, I, I don't go too crazy with loading up the skis and getting them, you know, like a ton of wax into them. I, I just feel like if you... Take a time before you get on snow, uh, get a, a handful of uh, wax um, layers into the ski, and uh, just keep the ski well waxed throughout the season without getting too much heat into it. I've had a lot of success with that. Um, I guess one thing that I, I want to ask for our listeners is that you you talk about having the right grind. You talk about like making sure you have the right structure. What... If, if I'm a if I'm a kid that only has two pairs of slalom skis, maybe just one, or two pairs of GS skis, or maybe just one, what is the best grind pattern that I, I want to be looking for to to getting? Yeah, that that's that's a tough one. Um, usually, uh, you know, if somebody says there's a universal pattern, um, it's going to be something that uh, doesn't have too much depth, not too deep of a structure, and uh, you know, pretty simple pattern. Uh, maybe a standard broken cross that's not too long or too too um, too across the base, I guess you could say. And uh, and you know certainly in, in, in the right conditions, that could be the best grind that you could find. Um, you know what we did at Edgewise is we had uh, a grind that we called KT4 uh, that was pretty standard. It wasn't anything uh, too deep or or too light, like I was just saying. And um, over over a, a series of winters, we had really cold winter after cold winter and i do a lot of testing up on the hill at our local ski race just different grinds that work for different conditions and over those over those winters that was really cold i developed a new tech grind that was really light it didn't have much structure to it and i could tell just by um taking a few um uh, steps to go to the lift you know sliding across the flats i could feel the grind was way better so at that point, I thought to myself, I'm going to change our universal grind, and I'm going to trend it to a colder, um, less structured grind for the seasons to come. We had just come off of three really cold seasons. I thought, well, next year is probably going to be the same. So we made we made that transition to this lighter grind the following season, and then it ended up being really warm all year. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's really hard to do with just a couple of pairs of and have the grinds that are correct for the you know right right conditions, but you just take a guess and um, you know you hope it works out uh, that you're kind of picking the, the grind that's going to work best in your region. And of course, your guess is quite a bit more educated than than most, which is something I could, I would think most people can put some weight on. Um, but I, I think there is a little bit of a fear with. Some some athletes, maybe especially maybe older athletes or something like, you know, the more wax cycles you get into that ski, the more the faster that ski is going to be. And there's some elements to that where, you know, if the ski has been serviced, uh, you know, by yourself with you know hand tuning and waxing and blah blah blah, where the ski eventually can evolve to become something else. You know, depending on how much edge you're taking off and. Where where in the ski you're taking that edge off, and 
you know, the, the amount of wax and so different kinds of waxes that are just going in there. And but, you know, you brought up a point during your clinic where, you know, you had a particular story where um, you kind of abandoned that to restructure the skis. And there's a little bit of fear from the athletes saying, you know, well, if you regrind them, then doesn't that take out all the previous wax cycles? But inevitably, you convinced them that, yes, you, you, we do. This is the best move for you to restructure the ski. And that ultimately, in, in the end, works. So my question is, what's more important, making sure that the ski is, is structurally set, is set up, you know, with the grind and edge appropriately done? Or is it more important to let the ski run all season and just keep getting wax cycles into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I think about speed with a ski, I, I, I kind of work off a pyramid structure, um, and, and and it builds up to um, you know starts basically with base bevel. And the, to me, the base bevel is the most important part of the whole whole thing. It's even more important to the, than the actual ski because the base bevel is not right the skis just aren't going to ski correctly mm-hmm. and you know you can get that set at the beginning of the season and then you can work up that pyramid and you can have your you know the best the correct base bevel and then the right ski and then the um you know the right grind and you know all the way up to the very top which would be the, the smallest part of the puzzle which is going to be the pyramid and that's going to be the actual wax of the day if that base bevel's off everything above it is worthless and so to me the base bevel is really important and you get that set up and you get the right structure and you start doing all your work on waxing to help break in the grind and get the skis running fast. The whole time you're doing that, anytime that you go out and ski on the skis, the, the base bevel changes. And over time throughout the season, without you even knowing it, the base bevel increases more and more just because the ski is breaking down. So you, it, it is hard to make a decision to regrind the skis at a certain point because you've put all this time and effort and energy into getting your skis running fast but that slow erosion of base bevel performance and edge quickness you don't necessarily feel it all at one time because it just breaks down over time so to me it's you get to a place where the base bevel's changed enough that the skis aren't going to turn properly and most people need more help turning than they do gliding it's it's just the reality of the situation so to me, it's I, I, w- I would rather get the skis reground and help the athlete turn and get the skis performing properly, and then um, have the, the 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 maximum glide performance. Um, so that's that's just something I, I that's something I always talk about, and something that to me is paramount to make sure you have skis that are going to perform to the best. So and so when you say um, you know uh, I. I mean, I think I think what, what you're saying is that you, every so often you need to get the skis reground so you can reset that yeah. that yeah. base bevel. But if I'm tuning my skis every day and you're telling me that the base bevel is the most important part, do I want to have a, a base bevel on the ski every day and, and and making sure that I'm taking care of it in that regard too? Yeah, well, that's one thing I tell people just to leave leave alone and just don't even touch it. Once the base bevel's set take it to a shop and they grind the skis and set the base bevel at let's say it's a half degree or whatever you request it's done you don't really need to do that again because every time that you go in to clean up that base bevel or touch it up by hand with your um, file and your file guide even though your file guide says it's a half degree it'll actually pull more than than a half degree Mm. so you're actually reducing the performance every time you go to clean that base bevel up and touch it up 
because every pull of a file is a quarter degree, and so over time you're adding more and more bevel. And a lot of people, I mean, that's probably the biggest mistake in, in um, you know, club-level ski tuning is um, people spend too much time working on the base bevel and, and really kind of destroying the performance of the ski. I think that's uh, I think that might be the best point made so far. What um, and then just moving to this the, the the edges. I mean, how often are you pulling file from or pulling sidewall from the from the from the sidewall? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's probably another the second thing that people forget to do or don't yeah. do correctly is uh, is removing that sidewall material. Um, once it's originally set up and and it's uh, the skis are set up correctly. Um, I always kind of use as a rule of thumb, maybe like every fourth or fifth time that you file, you, you might want to remove the sidewall material, um, just kind of as a rule of thumb. But a lot of people just don't do that. And uh, what happens throughout the season is they're actually able to sharpen their skis. The file will still pull and they'll actually sharpen their skis, but it's going to pull a negative side edge angle because the file is hitting the sidewall. Oh. So instead of hitting a three degree, the file hits that sidewall material that needs to be removed and it's pulling a, a two degree or a one degree. And I think maybe briefly I talked about this at, my, at the clinic when I was in Sun Valley and there was a kid that worked for me years ago and he was a pretty decent slalom skier. He's like a 15 point slalom skier. And I asked him one day what he was running for side edge bevel and slalom and he told me he had a four degree on his skis. And I was looking at his skis and I could see where the file had been hit in the sidewall. And I took my true bar out and my file guide and I checked his bevels and he had a one degree on the side <laughs> edge. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that level that, you know, uh, you know, in a 45 second course, the difference between a four degree or a one degree could be three or four tenths of a second per run. So he was actually leaving a lot out there on the hill just by not making sure that he was remo- removing that sidewall material and having the correct side edge angle. And I think the polar opposite of that is, you know, oh, well, I got to pull file, I got to pull sidewall, so uh, I'm just going to pull a ton now and then I'll be good for like a month. Or I don't have a, I have a sidewall planer, I'm going to borrow my friends and just do a ton right now, and that way I'm good for a while. But that's not the move either, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely remove too much and, uh, you know, maybe even have a, a edge that's hot on the upper side of the edge going into the sidewall you know like if you remove too much you can almost uh make the ski sharp on the top and bottom if you're not careful so so yeah you just it's just something you kind of want to chip away at slowly and i always tell kids if you're uncomfortable removing the sidewall material just take it to your local shop and have the guys do it for you or just sit in and watch them do it until you're comfortable doing it yeah for sure i think you know that's um Finding the, finding the time to be considerate of your equipment is extremely important. And I think having ownership over what your equipment's doing is the best thing you can do. Because, like, uh, for me, you know, I'm coaching 12 and 13-year-olds, and they're, for the first time, doing skis on the road on their own. And, you know, some of them have the shops do it for them. Some of them have their parents doing it for them. But, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm trying to hammer at this age level is to start being thoughtful about everything that you that's going on, especially when the skis are clicked in. But, you know, you, when you start working with athletes like, you know, Darren Ralves or Sarah Schlepper or, you know, Ted Ligety and stuff, like those guys have had spent so many years tuning their skis on their own 
that they 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 understand what the tech's doing and they feel that that difference with with what's going on from their technician it's not something that's would you say i mean that's a partnership right because of the because of their experience level as well right yeah yeah they they're on very consistent equipment and uh you know they have a relationship with the technician and uh when when you're when you have a consistent platform that you're skiing on every day when something changes you can really feel the difference if you're skiing on equipment that's you know really kind of frankly all over the map it's hard to have a real feel for what's going on underneath you so it's uh it's really important to make sure that you have some continuity to your equipment across the board and build on that over the years and then that will really help you have a feel for your skis on snow real quick graham do you have like uh one or one or three tips that would help um today's ski racers you know developing ski racers whether they got 50 points or they're 12 years old some something they should be think they could be doing differently right now in the tuning room um first thing i would say just make sure you get your skis tuned when you first get them uh you know i think people make the mistake of thinking that well they just bought brand new skis they're ready to race on and uh the fact is that they really need a, a little bit of work to make sure that they're going to be performing correctly so even when they're brand new, just take them to a shop and have the guys take a look at them and uh, tune them if they need to be zone ground or whatever it might be. Um, so make sure they're set up out of the wrapper. Uh, the second thing I would say is when you're iron- ironing your skis, just make sure that you're not putting too much heat into them. Like we mentioned earlier, uh, it's just really important to kind of um, look at the recommended iron temperatures on the wax packaging for the conditions of wax that you're using. And just try to get the wax in and a couple of clean, easy passes. Okay, so and, uh, a couple of a couple of passes, not like one, not four, just two. I try to get the wax in in two passes. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll spread the wax, you know, drip the wax on the skis. I'll make one pass to kind of just get the wax distributed, and then I'll make one more pass to get the wax into the ski. Cool. And uh, one thing I tell people when I'm waxing is I actually push down pretty hard. Uh, oh. I'll push down and I keep the iron moving at a moderate pace. And if you bring some pressure, it helps drive the ski, the wax into the ski. But if you're just lightly moving your iron back and forth across the top of the ski, which a lot of people do, the wax just really doesn't have a chance to get down into the ski at all. Wow. Okay. So I'll just learn yeah. something there. And a lot of people make that mistake. Um, you know, buy a decent iron. You know, like the more expensive irons work better. And uh, you know, if you if you have the money to buy a, a nice digital iron, it, it definitely makes it a lot easier to put the wax in, especially the colder waxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, I would just say overall, just stay away from touching your base bevel with a file. Cool. Yeah. And of course, we touched on that earlier, yeah. so we're very aware of that now. Graham, yeah, it's, you know, it's a really interesting thing real quick. I, I just sure. did a breakdown on the cost of, of ski racing, uh, looking at all the different levels of racing across the board from U10 to U19. And uh, it's expensive. You know, and the further and further you go into the sport, um, it's pretty accessible to U10 and U12. U14, it gets a little bit more expensive. And then once you're U16 or U19, the costs really go up quite a bit. But one of the most interesting things about the overall breakdown of the costs were that the equipment costs, the buying the equipment and the tuning of the equipment, your tuning supplies, bringing them to the shop to get tuned, whatever it might be, 
the percentage of that cost overall drops. So as a U19, the overall cost of tuning and equipment is 8% of the overall picture, whereas maybe a U10, it's 50% of the overall picture for ski racing um, costs. But at 8% as a U19, to me, it's 25% of the performance. So if you can spend 8% of your budget to get 25% of your performance, I think it's money really well spent. And I think it's just something that people overlook as they get deeper and deeper into the ski racing career. That's so interesting. Cause it, that, and that makes so much sense because especially, I think, as you get older and the costs go up, you try to figure out where you can cut your corners. And yeah. that that might be one of the easiest corners to cut. But in the, in the end, at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal in the, to your budget in the big picture and will go further. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really interesting. I, to sit down and really look at your budget for the year and how much money you spend, um, you know, just build a spreadsheet and kind of see where you're spending your money. Um, it, it, it's pretty clear that that's, that's money well spent. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Graham, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, this has been Pieced Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer. I'm James Taco Totkus. Um, sitting in with us today is Graham Lanetto. Um, North, North, uh, Graham, what's your, what are your new titles again? Uh, uh, with Swix, I'm their Alpine director, mm-hmm. and uh, Stokely, I'm the um, race and promotions manager. There you have it, a guy who's in the know, deep, deep in the know. Um, thank you again, Graham, and uh, again, this has been Peace Stop, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer and the sport of ski racing. Thank you again for listening and look forward to another episode 